Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of John, the 14th chapter, and beginning with the first verse. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, and He is saying, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. For not so I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself where I am. There you might uh, be also and you know the way where I am going Thomas said to him Lord we do not know where you are going how do we know the way Jesus said to him I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me Lord help us to understand this morning what we have read from your holy word for the sake of our souls and lives today I was thinking back across the years when I was a young preacher out at Beachmont Church. And one of the first things after I joined the church, I guess I'd been there about a year, maybe longer, I've forgotten. That's been so long ago, I've forgotten that part of it. But there were a couple of old preachers in the church. And Brother Felix Sanders, who has now gone on to his reward, was a preacher there. And when I made my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and was faithful in church attendance, and heard the Lord's call to be a minister, he asked me one day, he said, the thing that I want you to do, one of these old preachers was about 80 years of age. He says, I want you to be close to him, sit close to him, and especially when he comes to the altar to take communion or to pray, I want you to come down the aisle with him. And so that was my responsibility and I did we'd have communion back in those days in that church we had communion every first Sunday well I would take this old preacher by the arm and guide him down the aisle I'm glad I did that because it looks like it's going to be my turn for somebody to guide me down the aisle now <laughs> in our scripture reading this morning dear friends this is one of the greatest passages of scriptures that has ever been written some of the greatest verse to fall from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ are these words that I read to you this morning. I just wish to God that I had the ability and capability to present to you what I see that is so fantastic for your soul and mine to hear and to thoroughly understand. Because to hear it, to know it, and to understand it, I want to tell you something. I don't care what kind of condition you came to this service in this morning. And whether your wife had to drag you here over your protest or not, you will go from this service and you will be rejoicing within God and within life and be more determined that you're going to live and make the most of life as God has given to you today. If I have the ability and capability to share with you what is really here. Now let me try to do it in this way. I remember at a church down the river from us here where I was privileged to be the minister. I think there's only been one or two people within my lifetime that I have been aware of that I knew personally uh, that were given a fortune. 
And I mean a large sum of money. I'm not talking about just two or three thousand dollars. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands. And I remember the family of this man, his wife, and his mother-in-law that lived with him. And he, somewhere back across the time, had joined the church. But his wife and mother-in-law were very faithful in the church. And he came every once in a while. Wonderful fellow. But not much on church. Churchmanship. I guess my sermons were so good that he only had to come every once in a while. Well, anyway, a friend of his died. An old couple that he had taken some interest in over the years. And as a young man had lived with them a while and, and had taken care of them and continued to do it after they had moved off the big farm and moved to town. He still continued to, to sort of look after them, take them to the doctor, go see if they had everything and so forth and so on. And so they passed away, both of them in due time. And, and he was amazed that he was left the total fortune of this uh, older couple that had no relatives at all. And so did the town people, those of us who saw the situation, knew what was taking place. We knew that this great fortune left of this man was one to turn him upside down and inside out. And we just knew that he was going to move away from the little house that, uh, that he owned and that he had built uh, years before, he and his wife. A very modest little home there on overlooking the Ohio River. And we just knew that... Uh, he was going to swap his little car in and drive around a larger car. And all of these things were going to take place within this man's life. And then the weeks turned into months, the months into a year, and nothing happened. This man didn't rush out and do anything with the great wealth that he had. It had been left to him. And so one day, being in the home visiting his mother-in-law because his wife worked and he worked night work, and he was there. And I had an opportunity to talk to him. And, and we got over in the car there. Was somehow or another came up about the great amount of money that was left to him. The great fortune that was left to him. And we talked about the change that it could make in his life. And I think I must have asked him, well, Tom, what kind of a change has it made? And he says, well, he says outwardly, he said it hasn't made any change in my life. He says, but inwardly it has done something to me that is absolutely unspeakable, what it's done. He says, you can see that uh, I don't need a greater house to live in. I'm satisfied with the one that I have. It's good enough for me and it was a nice home. I have no need of a greater car, a bigger car, or even a better car, a newer car than one I've got. Uh, I like that little dinky thing that I drive around. I have no desire to move away from this town. I have no desire to even go live in the great house uh, that this uh, couple uh, left to me. I'm not going to do that. He said, but the thing it has done for me, he says, it has changed my life in this degree. He says, now I go to work. I don't necessarily feel that I've got to, but I go to work because I want to. He says, I live here because I want to. I drive my car, this type of car, because I want to. He said, you see, the thing that I'm saying is that I have been freed inwardly now to do the things that I want to do. And strange as it might seem, the things that I want to do is the things that I had to do when I didn't have money. And you know, I thought about that, and I still think about what that man said.
And every claim that that man made in relation to the fortune had been left to him and what it had done for him and to him is one and the same claim that I can make in relation to God and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, there's no way upon the face of this God-given earth that you can understand what I'm talking about unless you, too, have committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and know something of the awesome, glorious inheritance that you have inherited because of the great love of God that has been manifested to you and to me in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. And to know Him and makes all the rest of life fit together the way that it ought to be. Because the inward man has been put at ease. The inward man has been strengthened. The inward man has at last come to the place where he and she has found of what is necessary for our soul to find to be able to have life and to have it in a creative way here upon the face of this earth. And folk, I'm not talking about something that you can have 10 years from now or something you will have or something that you're going to have that is spectacular and wonderful and beautiful to death. I'm talking to you about something that Jesus intended to happen for you and in and through you this very hour. Now to make that clear, more so to you, and let me suggest to you the condition of man. You see, for us to appreciate what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, we've got to understand the condition of man before he came. And you see, the true condition of man before the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world is that he was a condemned sinner. Condemned to die. And if you want to look up a scripture to tell you about that, which the Bible is full of, especially if you test and you turn to Romans, that Paul is speaking, 3rd chapter, 23rd verse. And he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now I would call your attention to the fact that Paul is speaking, especially in this verse, about sin as being an act on your part. Something that you have done that is not in keeping with the will of God. Now that is usually as far as we go. And we usually think of only a, a sin as being something that, uh, that we participate in or part of simply because we have acted in a certain way that is not in keeping with the will of God. But friend, that is only part of it. And that is not even the deadly part of it. You see, the deadly part of sin is, we have to go back just a little farther, and come to the place where we see that the basic nature of man has been changed and was changed. And the basic nature of man is in rebellion with God, and that means that we are sinners. Now, if you would turn in your scriptures to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 22nd verse, you would find why this came about. You see, in the garden, regardless of what you want to think that went on there, whether it was an apple, a tree of life, and all that sort of stuff, whatever it represents, but one thing we know that it does represent, and that is that Adam rebelled against God. And through his rebellion and his sin, all mankind fell. Scripture makes it very pointed and very plain. Romans 5.12 Through one man sin, all mankind sin. And what he is basically saying to us is that we were born sinners. It is the nature of man's heart to be in rebellion against God. The nature of man was changed completely and totally. By one man, sin came. And you were polluted by one man's sin. 
Now you can look at the situation and say, well, now that's not fair. Doesn't make any difference whether it's fair or not. That's the way that it was, and that's the way that it is. And that's the way that the Scripture talks to us about sin. It's not sin. The original one is not an act upon your part. Now, folks, it's very important that you understand what I'm saying. Because if you understand what I'm saying now, you're going to rejoice later, you see. And that is you must see that sin came not because of your act, but because of a man who acted originally against the will of God. And it was Adam that stamped your soul and my soul was sin. And in that state, it was judgment, condemnation, and death. Or condemnation, death, and judgment is a better way to put it. And there's where we are simply because Adam doing what he did so many, many years ago in the garden. A sinner. It really doesn't make any difference whether you have acted or not acted because of sin. Sin is not necessarily an act on your part, dear ones. You must see that. The basic nature of your soul has been stamped with sin because of one man's failure. Now, that's the bad news. Now, the good news. Oh, if I could only deliver it. The good news that we have an answer for sin. We have an answer for sin, death, and judgment. You see, God had a choice, really. He had a decision to make when Adam did what he did so, so many years ago. You see, he had a choice to make. Now, he could let man, his most wonderful, his most beautiful creation, the human being, he could have said, well, it failed. Or he failed, and she failed. And I'm going to let it just go down to two. Forget it. Mark it off as a bad experience. Or he could act to restore this lost one to the proper relationship with him that he intended when he created man. And this he tried to do. Two things he tried to do as they're spelt out in the Old Testament. You remember he gave to us the Ten Commandments. A guide for us to live by in order to be pleasing to God. And lo and behold, he found that man could not live to the Ten Commandments and be what he wanted them to be. It could not be done. And dear friends, let me say to you that if you think that you're living today and that you have kept the Ten Commandments completely and totally as God intended for you to keep them, I want you to know, my dear friend, that you are traveling under a most awesome illusion deadly to your soul. Because you see, if the Ten Commandments could have done for man what God intended to have been done for him through the Ten Commandments, why did he have to send the Lord Jesus Christ? He made one of the biggest blunders that God could ever possibly make in sending Christ. So the Ten Commandments, God tried, but we couldn't measure up. He gave to us a sacrificial system, whereby that through us, you and me being a sinner, that it made it possible for us to take some animal and shed its blood, and by and large, by this act, we could be atoned for. And there was no atonement without the shedding of blood. For you to continually to have your sins forgiven and have access to the kingdom of God, it meant from time to time uh, that an animal would have to be offered in your stead for your sins. But you should think of this as being a lamb, the most innocent of all. 
and the one that we recognize that came as the Lamb to us. Perhaps because of the power of Satan and the weakness of man, of all things that God tried to do were doomed to failure. And then God acted again in the most marvelous, the most remarkable, most fantastic thing that God ever did outside of creation itself. Oh, it's what he did in order that you and I might be restored to the kingdom in a way that could be meaningful for you and for me. You see, God committed himself to an awesome act. To an awesome act. And the book of Romans again, the fifth chapter, and the 19th verse, listen to this. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's through Adam. That's just what we're talking about. Through one man's sin and disobedience, we all were condemned. We were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Now, folks, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Now, listen. Listen, so, life is here. Fantastic life. If Adam brought sin, one man, that's what Paul is saying, brought sin. It was through the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming into the world uh, that brought us righteousness. Now let me spell it out to you what that means. It means that what Adam did, that you're polluted with, the Lord Jesus Christ coming, blotted it out completely and totally today. You stand in a position today before God simply because of the act of Christ, no act of your own, simply because of the act of the Lord Jesus Christ who brought righteousness into the world through His act, through His dying, through His coming, through His obedience, through His dying on the cross, through His shedding of His blood has restored you as far as can be done through God to the place in the kingdom that God intended for you to have to start with. In other words, you today stand in exactly the same spot that Adam did before he sinned. Oh, is that possible? Oh, is that possible? I suppose you have to make up your mind. Do we not? You've got to make up your mind this morning. Are you going to believe and trust in your own thinking? Or are you going to trust the word of the living God? Now, folks, to trust the word of the living God, then you have been given an inheritance. That's a, absolutely, there's no way upon the face of this God-given earth that you can measure how valuable and how wonderful and how meaningful it is. Even if you live to be a hundred in this life, you would still be in a process of trying to understand all that God has done for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. You today stand where Adam stood before he said. Now, you see, we too come to a place then where we have to make a decision, as Adam did. His decision was spelled out in relation to the tree of life and the apple, whatever that might mean, or might be, or might stand for. But I know my soul and yours too stands in this awesome place. Now you can choose whether or not that you're going to be obedient to God and accept the Lord Jesus Christ or you can be as stupid and as foolish as this man was 
of so long ago. You can claim what God has prepared for you through the Lord Jesus Christ by accepting Christ as your Savior and Lord. It's as simple as that. Or you can reject Him and think you can live on your own way and in your own fashion without His help or anyone else's help and be the person that you need to be. Only come to a place where you will see one day that you have been as foolish and as stupid as the first man that God created. We come to this place today where we have this awesome possibility to be able to live in such a fashion that you and I can claim what God has given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ as an inheritance. And that is not only the kingdom that is yet to come, but that is something that you can claim today. Now, if you have what I'm talking about and have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and then, dear friends, if you enjoy your salvation as you ought to, you know that you have a peace and a joy that is absolutely fantastic. And no condition upon the face of this God-given earth can take that peace and that joy away from you. Because it is not of this world. It is in this world. But it is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is why at this very hour, this very hour, that this soul of mine leaps for joy. And this soul of mine experiences the great peace that it has. When we hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that I read to you this morning, and know something in the background that we have talked about this morning. How can you listen to that without that soul of yours being set alive? Jesus said, spends all time, the past, the present, and the future. Listen to it. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. It was not so I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you might be also. Time has no sway. It covers life. It covers death. It covers eternity. And my friend, that is where you have a possibility of being today. If there be one here this morning does not know Christ as their Savior Lord, and you would like to enter into this awesome gift and legacy that He has left for you, come as we sing this closing hymn to the altar. Hymn number 166. Lord Jesus, I love Thee. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 